Hello there, and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. I'm happy that you've taken time out of your day, that you've downloaded this podcast and listened to us to make us part of your home and your life. We certainly hope and pray that you'll be edified by it, you'll learn more about Christ, and God would be glorified. Today we're going to talk about the cross, a kind of a controversial subject in a lot of circles. And I would like to read a scripture reading before we go too far here. Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 36. I'll be reading from the NIV today. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell to his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Again, today we're going to talk about the cross. And Before we get started, I would encourage everybody to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. And there you find out more information about us. If you're new to the podcast, you can see a statement of faith and, and how to contact us and a way of financially supporting us. But there's also a prayer page there. We get prayer requests occasionally, and we put those up there. And so if you're a prayer warrior, you're, you want to pray for somebody, and these requests come from all over the globe. And uh, please do that. Please pray for these people. And if you have a request and you would like us to post it, we would would be happy to do so as well. In our scripture reading, uh, really it puts us right here in the center of the garden where Jesus is really in some very deep prayer. He knows what lies ahead of him. In his prayer to the Father, he prays, Let this cup pass from me. He is in such deep thought over what is about to transpire. Luke gives us maybe a little more detail that, that Matthew uh, does not give. So let's read Luke here real quick. Luke chapter 22, verse 40 through 44. And hopefully you have your Bible and you're opening it and following along. So I would always encourage you to do so. Luke 22, starting with verse 40. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them, about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, and he be, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Luke tells us how that Jesus was in such deep prayer that his sweat became like drops of blood. You know, preaching and, and teaching uh, that goes along the lines of uh, 
Jesus did not want to go to the cross, or Jesus was afraid to go to the cross, this is really a pathetic teaching, and it needs to be called out, because it's totally wrong. Why would Jesus be afraid of nails and wood when so many, so many of his followers would be crucified as martyrs? I mean, if you would read the Fox Book of Martyrs, and he will record how people without fear went to their death for the name of Christ. It is estimated that over 50 million people have lost their lives for the sake of Christianity. Many of them are recorded as singing songs of praise to God as they were slaughtered. Fifty million people have gone without fear to their death for the sake of the gospel. What makes us believe that the King of glory, that Jesus himself, while he's in the garden, why would he be such a coward over the cross when so many of his disciples would suffer the same death and show no fear. Do we really believe that our King, Jesus, is that weak? I don't. I think it's a false teaching. Folks, we really do need to wake up. I mean, Jesus is going to give the command for his followers to pick up their cross and follow him. Why would he tell them to do something that he may not be willing to do or did not want to do. That would not be a good leader. We need to wake up. Jesus is not afraid of being whipped. I'm not saying he was excited about it. But he's not afraid about it. Jesus was not afraid of being chastised. Jesus definitely is not afraid of the devil. Jesus was not afraid of a spear or a crown of thorns. He may not have been looking forward to it, as I've already stated, but he was not afraid of anything but one thing. And that's in verse 42. Jesus is asking for the cup to be removed. And why the cup? Why not the flogging? Why not being spit on? Why not being mocked? The question is, what is in the cup that Jesus is asking to be removed? What was it that caused him to tremble? To me, I think the answer is pretty clear. The answer is so clear that some of us maybe have missed it altogether. The answer is the wrath of God that's in the cup. That's what's inside that cup. That is what he's referring to is the wrath of God. That is what Christ in the flesh feared. He did not fear a man. He did not fear a nail. He did not fear being called a traitor or a Bible thumper. He feared the wrath of God Almighty. That God's hate for all that is evil was in that cup. And hate in the English word usually has malice. It's usually a very negative type of word. And and I understand why. But in the in the text of scripture, God hates when he says, Esau I love, Jacob I hate it. That's an example. 
he didn't have malice toward Esau. But it really means God rejected Esau. Because Esau had rejected him. Okay? And all men, all men are under the fear and, and the just wrath of God. Because of our sin of breaking God's law. Someone had to drink this cup of wrath. And Jesus Christ, while he's hanging on the cross, bore the guilt of the sin for the entire world. Jesus stood in my place. Jesus stood in your place. Jesus took upon himself the wrath of God so that true believers would never, ever have to experience the wrath of God. Notice with me here in Isaiah 53, verse 10. Uh, This whole chapter of Isaiah is a messianic um, prophecy of the crucifixion of the Messiah. But I'm only going to read verse 10 right now. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Imagine if you're standing about a mile down river from the largest dam uh, that you can think of. Hoover Dam comes to mind here in the United States. When all of a sudden the dam breaks and a large wall of water is coming at you with all the might and power of the river. The ground is shaking and it's rumbling. There's a big roar in the air and people are screaming. And then without notice, the ground in front of you just opens up. And all the water goes straight into the ground. And it's like it drinks up every drop of water. In the same manner, Jesus, while on the cross, he drank every last drop of that cup of wrath. Jesus took that cup out of the Father's hands and drank it. And when Jesus would cry out, it is finished or it is accomplished, depending on your version, the, the cup of wrath could have been turned upside down and not a single drop of that wrath would have dripped out. Jesus drank it all. If we were to summarize the cup of wrath with the Old Testament, uh, it would be something like this. Because of the wickedness and the rebellion, I will send them the full force of my wrath. I will hand them my cup, and I will make them drink it. And when they drink it, they will get sick, and they will be in pain, and they will die. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. You see, on the cross, Christ drank the cup. He willingly did that. Now, we've all heard the story of Abraham and his son, I'm sure. Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 2. He said, that's God speaking here, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering 
on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and it went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw a place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took it in his hand, the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham to his father and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Abraham, in complete obedience, takes his one and only son. It almost seems like his Isaac doesn't know really kind of what's going on or simply doesn't give any resistance. But let's keep reading here in verse 9. Then they came to the place at which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and, and took the nigh to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Verse 12. He said, Do not stretch your, out your hand against the lad, and do nothing to him. For I know now that you fear God, and since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So we see, God stops Abraham, and God will provide. And that's exactly what God does. You know, we like to stop reading after God provides the ram for the sacrifice. However, listeners, that's really not the end. Hundreds of years later on, on a hill called Calvary, God the Father laid his hand on his own son and slaughtered him. You see, someone had to die. This is the cross that so many people put in the back of the room or not even in the front room. Some church buildings don't even have a cross. They don't even talk about a cross. Because they, they think it is a shameful thing or a terrible thing. This might, might be new to some of you. have never heard this kind of philosophy. And you're right, it's sad. But it, it is so shameful that it's not something that you put on a t-shirt. Someone had to die. You see, justice had to be satisfied. To show love, God had to remove the sin issue. There was only one way to take care of that sin issue. In this way, 
was the only way was the death of his son Jesus. And Jesus really did die. You know, there's a lot of people that believe that he just faked his death on the cross. I don't know how you fake a death if you've really been beat the way Jesus was beat. After nails have been shoved through uh, your, your wrist and your feet, or your hands and your feet, and you're bleeding out, and a spear is punctured into your lungs, executioners professional executioners say you're dead Pilate says you're dead everybody knows you're dead but why today do we really think that it boggles my mind you see we need to start understanding this what a Christian life is all about turn with me and listen here to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 1 therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul gives the reasons why we need to lay down our own lives as a living sacrifice. Because of the mercies of God, Paul writes. For the past 11 chapters of Romans, Paul has laid out why God has already done for his people through Christ. The more you know of this cross, the more you will want to give your life as a living sacrifice. We need to grasp the cross. It's not something that you just have printed on a t-shirt or tattooed on your body. Wearing a a t-shirt with a cross printed on it does not save you. It really does not even make you a Christian, if you want to be honest about it. When we spiritually wear the cross of Christ, People will begin to ask you, why do you live the life that you do? They will notice your lifestyle and and your living sacrifice to Christ. Then we can begin to evangelize to our friends, our families, and our co-workers. Until you and I wear the cross of Christ on our soul and carry our own cross each day, the world will will never know or never see you as a Christian. Until we live a life that reflects Christ died for your sins. We have not been worshipped in the blood. It is more than just saying, Oh, I was baptized, or I said a prayer. It is more than just attending a church building. Until we reflect a life, that is in deep thanksgiving and living sacrifices. We have not been saved. Someone might be listening in there and thinking, well, how dare you and how bold of you to preach to me that I'm not saved. I say to you then, reread verse 2 that we just read. Do not be conformed to the world. 
You see, we live this lifestyle so that you may prove what the will of God is. The will of God is more than just saying words. The will of God is more than just wearing an emblem of a cross. What are you and I really afraid of? Jesus has already drank the cup of wrath. Are we afraid to say to Jesus, not my will, but yours? Are we afraid at being teased or mocked? Are we afraid we will be left out of some kind of betting pool at the office, some sporting activity at school? I don't know what your fears might be, but we need to stop fearing the world and those around us. We need to stop acting foolishly and start trusting in the power of God who saves us. We have many people listening to this podcast that are persecuted for believing in Jesus. They live in countries where it's not so popular to be a Christian. And we pray here every day for the persecuted church. Read with me in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For the world of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. You see, to the world, the cross is foolishness. It's just a piece of art or decoration. But for us who are in in the blood of Christ. For us who are in the saved body, it is the power of God. Are we going to set aside our cleverness? Are we going to be destroyed because we are wise and think as the world thinks and see the cross as the, the world sees the cross? I mean, really, the choice is ours. And when we really, truly understand what Jesus did for us and what he went through for us. He really did feel the pain. He really did cry. He really did bleed. He was really hung on a cross, totally exposed for the whole world to see. He really did have insults hurtled at him and he never uttered back. He never sought vengeance of his own. He prayed for him, as we should pray for those who persecute us. We need to seek out this cross with the blood stains all over it that took the wrath of God for us. And we need to be thankful that God loved us that much that he did send Jesus. I certainly hope today's podcast has encouraged you to, to really rethink the cross and, and, and study the cross more deeply. We read scripture sometimes as though it was yesterday's newspaper article. And we need to stop doing that. I, I'm guilty of doing that myself in the past. 
we need to study the words and I love word studies and it takes time to to go through the Greek words and, and study and learn all of those different terms and it really helps study the, the crucifixion I, Google it go to Yahoo whatever your search engine is and, and, and search it out and, and find out what people how they suffered on that sometimes they live for days we know Christ was only alive on that cross for several hours and Pilate was even surprised and he would send a message back are you sure he's dead and the message was returned to Pilate yes he's really dead they stuck a spear in him he's dead the other guys we had to break their legs they were still alive but we didn't have to break the bones of the man they called Jesus for more information about us, I encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, all one word. And there you can find our statement of faith, a way of contacting us. There is a prayer uh, request page there. And I, I'd encourage you to pray for these people who have asked for help and prayers. Pray for us here as well that we can continue to, to do this podcast that we always have the financial support that we need because it is listener supported. We don't have no salaries here. Everything that we get goes into paying the, the server fees and not whatnot that we have to have to, to post this. We know many people have already helped and we're grateful. We can always use more help. Again, thank you for listening. If you have any Bible questions, submit them. And we're trying to get a few answers together for questions that have come in. And we thank you again. And may God bless you.